Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. I'm your host, Anthony Corcoran. Welcome to Australian Basketball Coach. Today I've got Mick Conlon from the Gold Coast Rollers as uh, my guest today. So welcome, Mick. Thanks for having me. No worries. Uh, great to have you on. Backing up again this year with the Gold Coast Rollers in the in the new NBL One North League. So uh, I guess the first thing I wanted to say is congratulations on your on your team's QBL finals appearance last year against uh, the Brisbane Capitals. How was that experience for you? Like uh, making it through the season and 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 getting to the finals. That's probably what everyone aims to do as a as a head coach. Yeah, I, that that was to be brutally honest when I'm sort of came on board two years ago with them was we wanted to make a semi-final and a grand final. We fell a game short the year before. Um, wanted to make the grand final. Thought we had the experience and the size and toughness to <laughs> give it a crack. Unfortunately, they yeah, blew the barn doors off us. But the experience of getting there um, was awesome. And I'm a person that tries to learn from his mistakes. So... Um, what what we didn't do during the season and what we didn't do well in those games, I've, I've hopefully learned from it and will be better for it. So. Yeah, uh, I was going to sort of ask you as a as a coach, like what did you take away from last season in terms of, um, I guess, your team composition and you know how the team played as well. Yeah, we, we uh, all year the coaches we talked about it on the sideline. We said we haven't blown anyone out yet. We haven't blown anyone out yet. I thought we had the talent to do that. I thought we had the talent to really, you know, beat someone by fifty, sixty points, sort of thing. I thought we were fairly deep and talented. Um, and uh, I think because of our experience, unfortunately, we kind of did enough to win a lot of games instead of playing the right way, putting the foot on the throat early all those sorts of things, we sort yeah. of would get up and then take the foot off and relax yeah. a little bit. And I, I, it's not the way I want to play. It's not the message I want for the team sort of thing. So it was, it, there was frustration around that. But, you know, I was really lucky, mate. There was a talented team. There was lots of experience on the team. You know, I, I'm a coach that likes to have a lot of player input. I ask the guys in timeouts what they want to do how they want to do things. If I don't agree with it, I yell at them and call them idiots. But, I, you know, I, I want to, I, I want player input yeah. with what I do. So um, I was really lucky with the bets that I had on that team. So, yeah, yeah. I think Unfortunately, um, this year, most of them left and all retired. So we're going to have a, a very youngish crew, but I still am really excited about the team I'm putting together. Yeah, well, I don't think you're the only team that's going to have, you know, like a fairly young group. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of wondering, you know, with yeah, different players around the league hanging up their shoes or maybe just getting on to other things, you know, what that lack of experience in the league is, is going to look like, you know, when the games start. Yeah, it, it, the league got to a point, I, I was trying to work it out before this. I think I'm heading into my 15th season now. Yeah. As a coach in a row, sort of thing. So, and to, to me, the league's kind of progressively gotten better every year. Um, mm. I think the league the last few years has been exceptional. And I know a lot of Seabull or NBL One South teams would, would dispute that and think that they'd blow the doors off a lot of Queensland teams. But I, I genuinely 
think some of the Queensland teams in the last few years would would smoke most teams in the country. So it's a yeah. uh, really interesting. The concept that's really well wanted to go around again. Um, that concept of getting back to the national finals. They were they were fun days when they used to have that. So did you have a chance to uh, be involved in any of that when it was back in the I, ABA? I, I, I'd, I did. My, you, you mentioned you got the pod with Bruce coming up. Bruce yeah. was uh, I was very lucky to learn from him. He was the first coach to give me an opportunity, and, and we had, I think, good coaches on that with uh, Moose, Damien Anderson, that's in the in the states, Chris Richards, myself. Um, I didn't know my ass from my elbow then. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> but <just sort laughs> that's of, right. You know, you you learn as you go, and and to have the opportunity to have Bruce as what one of my first mentors is. I felt I learnt four years of coaching every year with him. So doing a few years with him, I really think it accelerated my growth. And we won. We beat Rocky in the final. Won the QBL. Went down to the national finals. Got absolutely pumped by Geelong in the <laughs> first game and then spent the rest of the weekend on the turfs. But some of the, you know, we had six or seven NBL players in that team sort of thing. So right. um, then unfortunately we jumped out of the QBL and went into Siebel, which was an excellent opportunity to play down there. And that was the first year Spartans went into that and yeah. did a few years there. Um, unfortunately, the last year that I did in that, we set a Siebel record for wins and then we played Knox in the grand final at home and um, Graham Longstaff had just passed away, um, smashed us with Knox with the team they had. They, they oh, right. executed perfectly. That was a um, really good game. But, yeah, that, unfortunately, that was my last game there and then I've got the opportunity to coach, head coach down the Gold Coast after that. So. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit just talking about your coaching experience. Obviously, uh, people may not know, but you were an assistant coach uh, down at the Gold Coast Blaze back when they were up and running in the NBL. That would have been a pretty good experience as well Like and having a couple well, of years well, doing that. Yeah, awesome experience. I was really I was lucky enough through friendship and some other things to get to know Joey off the court, um, so I was I was actually sitting on the bench when the Bullets won the championship um, oh, nice. down in Melbourne. Yep. I was just a, a a viewer that was you know I'd, I'd get to go on the road trips and rebound for them and get the bigs to run into me and stuff like that. He'd give me all the dirty jobs, but yeah, ma- massive opportunity for literally just a fan. Um, yeah. And then after that year, uh, twice I'd actually signed with the Bullets to be an assistant coach, and they folded twice oh, straight wow. after it. So I think I'm I think I'm a bad luck charm for NBL teams because I got, <laughs> got, got <laughs> then got uh, got the opportunity when he signed on down the Gold Coast to be an assistant for three years with him. So you get the, then my second mentor became Joey and. Getting to learn from Rat and Perro, you know those guys. The, the basketball knowledge they had. Again, my my growth as a coach. You know, I felt like I got two, three years worth of growth for every year I spent with them. That mm. was a pretty full on time in my life because I was still working a full time job and and doing that full time. So it was, it was not a lot of sleep for three years, sort of thing. But yeah. it, it was an unbelievable opportunity. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, and just, I guess, for people who don't know, I guess the Gold Coast, like you said, folded probably a little bit earlier than what people wanted would have liked, uh, just due to yeah, different circumstances. Was, yeah, it was all, all being funded from a, a very generous family and, and basically their bank accounts. And unfortunately, like most NBL teams, it was running at a, at a loss every year and they just got to a point they couldn't, they couldn't keep donating money to the sport and um, there was a little bit of quick talk to try and get a uh, a, a model like Cairns run with um, up and running but they just didn't have time and the NBL was a very different um, thing then yeah. um, the NBL was losing money hand over fist I mean you would hope that the people that are involved in the NBL nowadays appreciate how good they would have it compared mm. to you know even a few years ago, well, I don't know, it was 10 years ago when I was doing that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah. You would, you would hope that the guys that do it now appreciate how good they've got it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, what everyone wants with uh, NBL level basketball is sustainability and, um, you know, just a good solid foundation. So, not a, everyone involved can knows that they've got a little bit of a future and it's not just a year to year proposition. I don't know if you listened to um, the podcast the other day with Sean Dennis about the, the Crocs in that last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, a, good, a good insight as well, I thought. Yeah, I did. And, and Sean's an amazing coach. Um, one of the guys that would always you ask him a question, he would always give you time. But when I was involved, he was at Perth as the assistant coach, and um, he, yeah, they were they were a different beast. My last game in the NBL, we went to Perth. We were tied series. It was game three, and we had to beat them to progress to the grand final in front of ten thousand fans. And they gave it to us from <laughs> Philip to post the fans. They are that. That's a different beast. The games over there. That's experience of a lifetime getting to be in a finals game in Perth that was unbelievable yeah yeah so a big shout out to Dan from Aussie Hoopla another good Aussie podcast that that keeps everyone in in, in the loop about what's going on with basketball in Australia um I just wanted to get back to uh, I guess your preparations for the for the NBL One North season coming up Mick one of the questions I was just sort of keen and if you could share a bit about how do you structure your preseason and, you know, what you've, have you found, you know, works well for you and, and your team? And, and the other question is like, is it all a bit on court or do you look to do off-court stuff as well? Um, this year, because of our location, I think we're really lucky. It's, uh, I think Gold Coast is the best city in the world, in, in Australia. It's, you know, we've got the beaches and the hills and stuff. So it's, it's, it's pretty unique. I, I, Last year, due to the experience in the team, everything was on court. This year, being younger, um, oh, I'm going to kill the guys who started last week and you know, strength and conditioning yeah. for the first 40 minutes and then sort of getting into the drills. And you could tell the boys had had too many beers and stuff over the off-season because <laughs> they, they were hurting. But that, that's the – I want a really fit team this year. I want to be one of the fittest teams in the league and that's, that's going to be a lot of – strength and conditioning work and time on court doing that extra extra gym session and then we're going to do some beach sessions is beach sprints hill sprints those sorts of things to try and break it up um last time i was down the coast i was really lucky our strength and conditioning coach was also a physio and he also owned a mma gym so a couple i did a couple of sessions with the boys that went down put the pads on and sort of helped each other which 
I, I like different. I like introducing different sports and different training techniques away from it just to keep it interesting. Yeah, yeah. You don't always have the budget, unfortunately, at this level to do lots of other things and the guys have sort of sometimes got to put their hands in their pocket to pay for things if you want to do extra stuff. But um, I'm in a very fortunate situation with Gold Coast. They're you know, the largest association in Queensland. They're well-funded. Um, I've got a healthy budget. They've got a very generous major sponsor that does a lot of stuff for us. So yeah, it's, it's a good situation. Yeah, yeah, and totally agree with you. You know, variety is the uh, is the thing. Um, I think like uh, we did a bit of yoga one year, and you know, uh, I, I remember just talking to one of your players, Thalo Green, a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and he was. I asked him, uh, "How come you're looking so good?" And he said, "I do a fair bit of yoga." And um, yeah, he's a yoga instructor. He's the fittest fifty-year-old. <laughs> Fifty. <laughs> he's a, he's one of the fittest men. You know, he, he played last year, and, and in all honesty, he's one of our best players. He's one mm. of the fittest players. He, you know, he, uh, a little bit of white line fever like most men, but he he gave his absolute all, and um, he led the dynamic warm up that you know we start. Every training session, I'll get the guys, the players to lead a dynamic warm-up, bit of a stretch and get the get the motor turned over. And I always got him to lead that and some of the stretches and different things that he was doing. <laughs> I think when the Americans first got there, the look on their faces, it's kind of priceless seeing that. But, it's, <laughs> you know, uh, he always got them up to a, a good temperature sort of thing to get started. Yeah, yeah. No, good stuff. Um, so what are your thoughts on the role of the team captain for your team? Do you um, like have a have a captain role or do you, you go more with the leadership group concept? And um, um, I've tried different things over the years. I've, I've had a, a captain and he was the only voice. I've had a leadership group. Um, but players both for captains. I've picked captains. I've, I've sort of tried lots of different models. Um, I, I think in basketball, it's, it is important to have a leader, but that leader doesn't necessarily need to be the captain. Yep. The, the captain, a lot of times, can be someone who's good in front of the media and good talking to the referees before the game and different things, but... I think the captain's also got to be someone that the players respect and and that sort of thing. But um, you can have leaders and you can have vocal leaders. I talk to guys all the time about leadership. Um, in my professional life, I sort of coach about leadership yeah. to, to you know, my, my sales team, and that's a important thing to me so I try to give guys different reading materials and you know different things that they might not have been introduced to about leadership to upskill them I you know I get a bit emotional about this I, I, while I want to win games I firmly believe my job as a coach is to make better men first and then win games second that's, yeah. a, that, that's something I try to live, live by so doesn't yeah. always work doesn't always <laughs> ring true, but it's something I try to I try to instill in them is to make them better men first. So, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I was going to ask you. Um, yeah, you've got a, a career outside of basketball um, as a business development manager, and I had a guest on my podcast a few weeks back, Alan Stein Jr. You know, he was yeah. a, a strength and conditioning coach. Now moved into 
um, speaking with you know corporate businesses and that sort of thing. And we talked about the the, the similarities between um, coaching at a basketball team and also uh, you know management and leadership in business. And, and you talked about a couple of those things, but you know obviously there's a lot of parallels uh, you can you can draw between the two. And, and what are the I guess expectations you have for, for your team in terms of you know just each player you know taking a bit of a role in, in leadership and, and stepping up to to that. Yeah, there's an expectation. I mean, at our level, this is our NBL. This is, I mean, Joey always used to say that to me. This is, this is my NBL. So I want my players to act like professionals. I want them to go and make sure they go and shake hands with the kids after the games. I want them to go and thank the sponsors. I want them to engage with the children and encourage them. I, I, firmly believe everyone in the sport at any level, it's their job to promote the sport um, and act accordingly. You know, the, the mm. All Blacks sort of mentality of the, you know, the senior players of the All Blacks clean their change room and then go and change, clean the change room of the visiting team to make yeah. sure it's spotless. They don't put a task beneath themselves and that's a, that's a sign of leadership, not being above the group, but being willing to get in the dirt and fight with the group is a is a really important thing. Yeah. Um, I've sort of, yeah, I've progressed in my career a little bit. I'm now a, a sales manager, so I lead some people, and now I'm actually mentoring. Um, I work for bigger business, Fletcher Building, and I'm mentoring other leaders within that business now from mm. – um, just experience and I, I, coaching makes me a better sales manager and being a better sales manager and people leader makes me a better coach. I think of the two, uh, I, I get to coach full time in my life and get paid for it. So maybe yeah. not on the court, but you know, it's, it's, it's enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, lots lots of uh, parallels. As a head coach, do you uh, have some goals like uh, as a coach for every season? And the other thing I would ask you too is like getting that connection with the players and the buy-in from them into your team goals. Like, how do you go about doing that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I um, again, I've tried it a few different ways. I think um, sitting in a circle, I'm coaching men. So treat them like men. I sit in a circle and ask them, what are our goals? Like I get them to um, you know, list what the team goals are for the season and what team rules we're going to accept. Like, you know, if we if we lose a game, don't drop two games in a row. If we, you know, win, you want to win everything at home, you know, act a certain way uh, down to, I want them to dress a certain way when they turn up to the games. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, wear slacks and a pair of shoes you can <laughs> they're cheap they can dress a certain way it's you know it just adds a level of professionalism to the league that I, I, I want certain standards kept um, and we set benchmark standards and goals and I type it all up and give it to them and we go back during the year and revisit it and see how we're going on it and, right and I find if you get the playing group to come up with it they're not doing it, it's very easy to hold them accountable to it, where if I set benchmarks and goals, you know, I'm a coach, I want to win every game by 100 points, I want to, you know, <laughs> you want to win, you, you never want to lose a game, you never want to, you want to win a championship every year, but it's it's not always possible, like, um, like I said, I think this is my 15th year in a row as a coach, and 
last year was my second grand final sort of thing. So one as a head coach, one as an assistant coach. So it doesn't doesn't always happy. So uh, always happen. So got to take try to take advantage of things when they do. Yeah, yeah. Player recruitment's probably something you're thinking about pretty heavily this time of the year uh, in the preseason. And um, yeah, um, yeah. It's a mate, we. Yeah, you, know, you finish the last game and then you sit there and you talk to the assistant coaches and you go, you know, let's put a bullet in him, let's sign him now. Let's, you know, it, it doesn't, you, you might take a week or two off, but it's, you, you kind of try to start straight away and talking to players. And I'm big on feedback. You don't get a lot of feedback as coaches. You either get sacked mm. or rehired. So um, I, I, I try to ask the players one-on-one during the season, especially the veteran players, you know, how are we going? What do you think we could do better? What could we work on? What do you think we need to be better at? Um, again, it's an easy way to get buy-in and an accountability if the players are coming up with the rules and, and, and guidelines. So, Yeah. Um, and do you think, like talking about player recruitment in terms of imports and stuff like that, I know uh, it can be a bit hit and miss. And how do you get, like how do, how do you find, and I know you've got probably a, a pretty solid network of contacts, but how do you get reliable comp- uh, information, you know, in terms of recruits that you're looking at? particularly ones that haven't played in Australia before. Yeah, well, uh, last year was really lucky with uh, LJ, our combo guard, Joey, um, hit me up and said, you know, you should look at this kid and I'm, I'm considering signing him and I want your opinion on him. So I want him to play in your system. I run a fairly similar system to what Joey does or what, let's say, what Joey was doing in Adelaide sort of thing. So, um, and uh, he sort of trusts my feedback and opinion so you get guys that are a bit unknown to come and play and I get to have a look at them so I had a really good leg up um, that way last year um, we'd signed someone Malcolm Bernard and unfortunately we signed him and the next day he ruptured his Achilles so oh, right. um, we had to go back to the drawing board and just through uh, some uh, Cam Trigger, Trigger actually hit me up and, <laughs> and said um Talk to this agent, he's got some guys, and I spoke to him and he recommended someone, and oh, I thought we struck gold with Spencer last yeah. year. I, I thought he was exceptional talent. He broke his finger towards the end of the year, and you know, his numbers dropped off the back of that. Um, I think if he would have had healthy hand, he could have kept going through the season. And he was, I think he was one of the top two, top three players in the league, but I'm biased. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, um, yeah, and I, I think the other thing, it, it is a lot of watching video and a lot of talking to coaching net, network and people around the world. You know, I'm really lucky on the Gold Coast. Our coaching director is Perro. You know, he's a All Blacks head coach. He's in the FIBA Hall of Fame. His connections are extensive. Um, I have a lot of connections through people just from previous contact as well so it's always just talking to other coaches and getting feedback because I'm, I'm how do I say this <laughs> I'm, I'll just say it, you can edit I'm big on a no dickhead policy I, I, I want um, you know you spend a lot of time around these guys in a short period of time and I just don't want the headache of dealing with someone that's not a good person yeah um, it's, it's really big on, on character to me as well as talent. Yeah. There is some guys have all the talent in the world, but they're cancerous to team environments. So. Yeah, yeah. 
Gold Coast have a lot of good athletes um, who come out of the system down there. And I'm just thinking of a player like Jack McVeigh, you know, a year or two now in the NBL. But what's um, your strategy in terms of, or like, how do you, how can you, what can you do as a, a coach to try and keep local talent like him, you know, playing for the Gold Coast in the NBL off season and then putting a roster around those types of players? Yeah, it, it's it's hard because you're limited by budget, limited by resources, those sorts of things. But um, you know, Jack was uh, I was lucky enough to coach Jack in a in an under twenty state team, so I formed a connection with him there and. Um, Joey was aware of him anyway, but I was always pushing into Joey as well. And yeah, you know, they signed basically at the same time we got. I'd committed to him down the coast. Um, I think the guys that do the state teams have a leg up because they're in contact with the the level of talent coming through. Um, yeah. I, you know, we reach out to Jack every year, but he was in a position where he had a trainer, and they put together a program for him in the off season, and they're based in Adelaide, so just a just a sheer professional development thing. He needed to stay in Adelaide. So, um, yeah. unfortunately, that, that's what he did. We would have loved to have him back. Um, and in the past, uh, in the Gold Coast, I had some players that went off and played other places and got bigger money contracts and things like that. But it's, it's, you, you try hard to recruit by treating them well when they're here and putting them in a system that I think they like playing in. Yep. Um, I try to believe on the, on the players coach, like I said, get feedback from the players and things like that um, to make it more enjoyable for them to play and come back. So, yeah. So this sort of moving on from that point. So we're just talking about your coaching philosophy and, you know, like uh, what you like to do, how you like to, to run your team and that sort of thing. What sort of, now, I guess in the ideal situation, like what sort of style of play would you would you like to have, and uh, and you know, like uh, who influenced uh, you along the way in terms of um, coming up with that sort of system? Yeah, I, I bore everyone to death with this every year, but I'm a Spurs <laughs> fan. I've been a Spurs fan since Larry Brown coached the team, sort of thing. So, um, uh, their style of play heavily influences the way I want to play. Um, I still believe in post touches or still believe in, you know, playing inside out. Um, the world's changed. Everyone shoots a lot of threes now. So that's an element of the game that you have to, you have to have a perimeter offense as well. But I want to play, I would like my team to be a defensive team first that plays up the floor, um, is disruptive, and then, you know, it plays fast. I, I, I actually am okay with, a three to four second offense type thing. Yeah. But then if we've got nothing, we pull it out and we need to execute in the half court. And that's that's what we spend a fair bit of time on. Um, I've got one drill I do every year that kills the players and they get sick of it, but they, they I think they get better from it. And mm-hmm. that was, I had a player down the coast years ago, Sean Tilby, so, and he, he wanted to do the drill because we weren't getting up and down enough. So I call it the Tilby drill. And Everyone who's played for me just cringed in their seat that listens to this. But it's, um, just a, a transition drill, and you just a lot of reps of uh, two on one, three on two, building it up to five on five, but just teaching guys to play fast. Yeah. How to, how to space and play fast and attack, and then teaching guys how to defend two guys in a transition sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. 
And, I, um, I like every drill to have a purpose. Yeah. Um, it's got to be game relatable. Yeah. And do you use uh, things like yourself, like fast draw or anything like that, or are you mainly just uh, um, like what's, what sort of tools do you, do you use? Um, when you, I know for, for myself, I end up collecting like this, you know, sheets and sheets of paper. And uh, if I ever get organised, I'll put it all in the system that I can. Yeah, get, you know. I'm 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 very old school. I had we um, lucky enough to get married last year and bought a house, and when we moved, I had about twelve shoe boxes full of scouting notes from the NBL, from <laughs> drawing out other people's sets, and I, you know, I watch. I'm very fortunate my wife was, was working in the sport so she understands how much time you spend on it. I'm forever watching and I pause it and get a piece of paper and draw out a set and shove it in the, shove it in the collection or pester my assistant coaches and text them and say, hey, I want to do this. What do you think? We should put this guy in there. So, yeah. Unfortunately, the guys at my assistant coaches, it's a 12-month-a-year 12, 12 job and <laughs> I pester the hell out of them all, <laughs> all off-season with ideas. So. Yeah, nice. And, and and I guess the thing too is, you know, with uh, people uh, with some fairly good Twitter sites and that sort of thing nowadays, there's lots of content coming through. So it's excellent. There's a, it, it, it's a different world. But, uh, when I started coaching the QBL, I always remember, you know, ringing JK, ringing Tweedy, ringing different guys from up north. Could they send me a DVD of their guns? have connections with the other coaches and bribe them or swap certain games that they wanted to see on other teams and different stuff. So it was always a, it was always interesting scouting games that way. Now, you know, everything's online. The level of like the streaming that we're going to have in NBL 1, every game's mm. going to be streamed. It's all going to be of a good quality. The scouting is exceptional. Um, I get uh, one of the assistant coaches to cut up tape, but I... I mean, my, I, I try to watch two to three games of everyone I'm playing leading into the game just so I can prepare and I have ideas on what their tendencies are and what their rotations are. Yep. I think the biggest thing that I learned from Bruce Palmer at this level is you don't have you – know, you've got at best four hours a week with the team. You know, most times it's probably three hours. You don't have enough time to spend all your time on the other team. So I, I do a basic walkthrough. I give a, a scout sheet that I think is fairly extensive and you know, if the guys pay attention to it, they pay attention to it good, they'll play. If they don't, you know, um, they get questioned on why they didn't know the scout sort of thing. But that's I, I spend a lot of time on us, not, not as much time on the other teams. Yeah, yeah, that's good. The current NBL season underway. Are the things that you're seeing in in the current season that you think are worth looking into in terms of either either style of play or just innovations or you know the way yeah. coaches are using players and that sort of thing? Yeah, it's interesting. I was actually listening to your podcast with Dinger yesterday, and I, I um, uh, what's old is new again. You know, when I yeah. started in the league, I was icing all on balls and hedging in the middle and switching other things and uh, <laughs> running lots of flare screens and, and different things and middle on ball centric and it's sort of I moved away from it 10 years later that's the trend everyone's doing it again now sort of thing so yeah. it, it what's old is new there's there's yeah, most offences are variations of something people were running 50 years ago. I know the game changes, but it's um, it's always the same. It's about fundamentals. It's about um, playing the right way and 
and then tweaking it to suit the modern game and then the opponent. But yeah, yeah to, I know a waffle, but to answer your question, yeah, I, I, I definitely I like the rotation pattern that a lot of NBA teams do, and then some NBL teams sort of tend to have almost time subs for their players. Mm. Um, I think if someone's getting hot and going off, you should leave them on. But if guys know roughly when they're coming in and coming out, there's an expectation there, and they're not they're not questioning their minutes. Mm. Um, Especially if you have a deeper team, you kind of almost need to have fixed rotations in place. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you, um, do you have uh, like a rotation strategy yourself or you just tend to, you know, uh, see how it goes every game and, and just adjust as a, as the game goes on? Yeah, I'd love to some highly technical with everything, but we end up <laughs> winging it most of the time. <laughs> it's a... Um, we have we have a, a game plan that you go in with, but two yeah. minutes in, you could scrap it and throw it out. I'm not, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's a, you know, last year I had the benefit of having two point guards on the team. Um, mm. So I had LJ and Reese, both extremely good point guards in their own right. Um, so I had to play one as a combo guard, one as a point. So I'd start, and whichever one I felt was, you know, if one picked up a couple of early fouls, they get out, but whoever I felt was creating the advantage, I'd leave them on, I'd pull the other one off and then get them back on to close out quarters um, and then get the other one some rest and then kind of do the same in the second quarter and then the second half, see, see what's working. But, I mean, that's the, that's the theory. Um, but, again, if someone's hot or they're having a good game, um, I'm really lucky down the coast to have the assistant coaches that I do and I've got the... Uh, Scotty um, McGregor is a 15-year NBL vet. Um, yeah. And then Colby that I've worked with for, uh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years sort of thing through Ipswich and Gold Coast. So yeah. I, I have a lot of trust for those guys. And if they tell me something, I'm, I go with it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very big on empowering the coaching staff. It's a coaching team. It's not just me. Yeah. And do you, do you um, like sort of allocate tasks across uh, those guys or is it just a bit of, yeah. Um, do, you, yeah, do you actually have like a bit of structure there or you just sort of let the guys? Yeah, yeah. Um, I get them, I, I give them certain in-game, they have certain things that they sort of track for me. We yeah. uh, we track what we call bricks. So three, three stops in a row, we call it a brick and we yeah. track how many bricks we can get in a row or how many we've had that quarter. Um missed box outs, middle penetration. So the three things that sort of will kill us defensively. Uh, Scotty charts them. Colby tracks our fouls, the other team's fouls, timeouts. Um, and then both of them are experienced guys, played in the league. You know, the benefit of being an assistant coach is you get to sit and watch uh, where the head coach is sort of running around like a headless chicken sometimes trying to be across everything. Yeah. Um, and sometimes... They get the opportunity to observe the game and then talk about, you know, hey, they're switching, they're switching on balls. Let's go to this. Let's do that. So it's, it's. I, I, I believe in empowering them. I give them jobs at training, like they run certain drills. Um, I always try and empower them. Plus, I kind of let them be good cop. I'll be bad cop. That's yeah. the, that's the routine <laughs> with the players. 
um, they can go and talk to the players, calm them down. I'm there to yell at them and try to get the best out of them sort of thing. So. Yeah, fair enough. And um, do you guys look at benchmarks as well, like in terms of the stats, you know, in game? So, uh, you know, one of the things yeah. that I always think is if uh, if you're averaging more than like 12 turnovers a game, uh, you're just sort of making life hard for yourself. But do you yeah. have like any numbers like that that you, you try to yeah. achieve during the year? Exactly that. I try and I said I I don't want team scoring more than eighteen a quarter. Um, like that's our that's our goal defensively. Um, I want a certain number of bricks, so you know, deep, multiple defensive stops in a row. Yep. Um, I don't want more than twelve turnovers. I think that's a that's a killer. Uh, Bruce was the first one to give give some sort of view on analytics, where it was uh, you know no more than twelve turnovers. You shoot a high percentage from three and you get to the free throw line first and most, you typically win most games. Unless someone, you know, the other team is shooting a massive volume of threes, um, that that can beat those stats. But I'm, I'm very meat and potatoes with what I do. It's, you know, don't turn it over, value the ball, get stops and try to try to get more paint scores than the other teams. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we've got the NBL One North uh, season coming up. How do you think the, the the new branding, you know, is going to lift the profile of what was the QBL, and also not only for the competition, but maybe the the players and and coaches that are involved in the league? Yeah, I I, I love it because now essentially the NBL is promoting it. And so when I was recruiting, you know, players and we're talking to guys, that's a that's some, a tool that we're using. It's now a tool that the teams and coaches can use to recruit, like the. Yeah. the their social media teams are across that you already see with the announcements, the amount of buzz on social media that mm. they put out and little highlight clips. And I've always watched and stayed connected with what Siebel was doing. I've always watched a lot of their games and seen different players. And then last year, seeing the way they promoted it as NBL one, it, 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 it was, so it was really exciting when the opportunity came up for the clubs to, to do it. Um, I've often been a delegate at the clubs that I've um, been involved with coaching sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it was for me, it was a a no-brainer. I thought it's a definite step ahead for the league. It's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think the best is yet to come, you know, like in terms of seeing how what happens in the north can can be, um, you know, in terms of who wins or, you know, like a championship series with the south. Hopefully um, that that comes back to the way it was back in the ABA and we sort of know who the best team is at the end of the year. 100% bragging rights. I mean, the last eight to ten years of the national championships back in those CBA, ABA days, I mean, that was Queen, Queensland ruled the roost sort of thing. So mm. it's a... You know, most, most basketball people, it's a Victorian-centric sport, so um, there's always good banter between the <laughs> Mexicans and us, whether <laughs> who's best. Um, I, I, I think if the Waratah League, um, South Australian League, and the, and I think the WBL call and WA, once they all get on board and play developments really solid, um, you get NBL clubs linking with the NBL One clubs. I feel in the future, the way you kind of do, I'm a rugby league guy, so the way you do with the, you know, say the Broncos are connected with Redcliffe in the rugby yeah. league and stuff yeah. like that. You'd have second tier teams kind of feeding the top the top teams. And I, I, it's, it's good for the coaches, good for the administrators, good for managers, 
good good for the players, obviously, good for the referees, um, good for everyone. Yeah. I can't believe I mentioned referees. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you say, uh, probably uh, you know, a good segue into uh, hopefully Brisbane or southeast Queensland the you know the southeast Queensland corner can maybe get another NBL team um, again in the not too distant future. Yep, we are. Uh, there is a few people, yeah, have talked to the NBL before that the costs are significant, but yeah. I think with the NBA ex NBA players now buying into it, there's opportunities. I think um, strategically, as a as a business goal, linking ourselves to Asia makes sense. It's you know it's one of the biggest economies in the world now. Mm-hmm. I think geographically it makes sense for us to link with them, even if it's a championship league or something. Um, and then obviously the money from that would would help perpetuate and keep generating league. I think basketball's in such a good position now, and I that's why I desperately wanted to do at least one more year uh, with this new league and and have a crack at trying to get to the national finals. Um, I would love for it to be top two or top three teams go through. But, you know, the, the, if it's the grand final, then that's, that's the goal is to win that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, uh, I wish you all the very best of luck with that, Mick. No doubt I'll be uh, seeing you during the year because I'll uh, be helping out Jeremy with Southwest. Yep. So, uh, <laughs> it'll be, we'll be uh, battling in a few, a few months' time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good, though. Like, and I appreciate you know you uh, making time this morning and just sharing um, some thoughts about the game and, and coaching in general because it's. Uh, I think you know, that's how everyone learns. You just, As you mentioned, you work with some really – great experienced coaches with, with Bruce Palmer and, and Shane Froling um, and Joey Wright as well. So um, everyone can learn from everyone. And, you know, I think everyone's keen to uh, share information and just lift the, you know, lift the uh, quality of the game. The human trait is people ask for help. Often humans want to help other humans. And I think coaches sometimes feel insecure to ask other people for advice. Um, it's one of the best things that I learned. It's it's not a sign of weakness. It's a it's a sign of strength to ask for help. So I love hitting up other coaches or messaging coaches and saying, "Hey, I noticed you did this. How did that work? How did you teach that?" Most people will spend hours telling you their most intimate coaching details about how they do things because we all want to share and and teach people. That's why we do this because we get the love out of it. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, Thank you for the opportunity. It's great being able to have a chat. Yeah, thanks, Mick. And uh, like I said, all the very best for this season for you guys. And we'll we'll no doubt be um, seeing each other on the court. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going <laughs> to wish you good luck, by the way. I was <laughs> just thinking that as well. So say good luck now. <laughs> thanks, mate. All right, mate. Thanks, Mick. Take it easy. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. You can get in touch with me through my email at australianbasketballcoach at gmail.com. That's australianbasketballcoach, all one word, lowercase, at gmail.com. Also, follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Coach and also on Facebook with Australian Basketball Coach. So uh, looking forward to hearing from you and thanks again for listening.